0: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message.
1: When you just take God for granted and you don't pray because you don't think anything going to change anyway, you know that reveals a lot about your faith in the Lord when you don't pray. And it reveals a lot about your faith in the Lord when you do pray. So whether you pray or you don't pray reveals a lot about you, wouldn't it? Now look what he said. In verse 5, for your fellowship, he thanks them for their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you know our fellowship together with one another is because we both have heard the gospel and trusted Christ as our Savior. You know, there's a lot of religious people that I have absolutely no fellowship with and cannot. There's a lot of preachers that I can't fellowship with. Because we don't have anything in common. There's a lot of preachers that I don't want people putting me in the same category with them. Because I think most of them are liars and hypocrites. I don't think most of them have been called by God to be a pastor. I don't think they've got a clear gospel message. The gospel is our boundary of fellowship. It determines it. What do you believe about the gospel? Because the gospel tells me what you believe about Christ. And whether or not you believe it's truly by grace reveals to me a lot about what you think about God the Father. What he said and what he did. So it reveals an awful lot of things. And this is why we have to be very careful about just listening to whoever and worshiping with certain people that are not true to the book. God does not say, go to the churches and try to change them. It says, mark them which cause divisions, contrary to the doctrine that thou hast learned, and avoid them. Avoid them. The Bible says, come out from among them, and be ye separate from them. Because you're not of them. You're not part of them. That is concerning those that do not preach the gospel of Christ. So Satan has his ministers. So Satan's ministers do Satan's work. And you don't want to be found doing the devil's work. Can a Christian do the devil's work? Of course you can. But you won't even know it's happening. So you get deceived. So you study the Bible so you can know the difference. Uh, Verse 6 is an awesome verse. It's really good. Because it shows you that what God has begun, God can complete. Not only from the day that I heard the gospel and trusted Christ as my Savior, but believing that He saved me and He can keep me saved until the day of redemption. Do you believe that? You're supposed to believe that. So He is not only has saved me and given me eternal life. He is now working in my life. I'm supposed to believe that Jesus Christ is in me and He is working not only in me, but on me. And so he uses the things of the world that teach me lessons. And if I listen to him, all those things that he wants to teach me is for my good. Now, you know, there's a verse in the Bible says, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those who are called according to purpose. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. But see, loving the Lord, that's the inside. The things of the world, that's on the outside. So God can use external things, either supplying or the denying of things in the world, to get you closer to Him to learn the lessons that He has for you to learn. Now, look there in verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. So He's the one that did the work And he's the one that wants to perform. You know, in the book of uh, Corinthians, uh, excuse me, the book of Romans in chapter 7, when the uh, apostle Paul was writing there about the the things that I do, I hate, and that I hate, I wind up doing. I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, but how to perform that which is good. I find out how to perform. How to perform. It's the Lord who wants to do the performing. It's him that wants to live through you. The best thing you and I can do sometimes is just to get out of his way. Just stop arguing with God, fighting with God, just let God do whatever he wants with us. And if he wants to allow certain people into our lives, and some people not in our lives, and he wants to supply and doesn't want to supply, you just pray for the strength to do whatever God is that he wants you to do, and leave the rest in his hands. Because life is short. We're going to be out of here soon. Not Not far away. You know, I was thinking about Two years ago, almost two years ago, I came to Hank's funeral. And I sat right here. Hank was a year and a half older than me. You know, no, I didn't call him. A year and a half later, no, I'm the same age. And you, know, you don't know how much more time you got. So we ought to rejoice while we can rejoice and be thankful for whatever God does. Because you're supposed to believe, I'm supposed to believe, God is working. Uh, look there in chapter 2, I don't you to see this. Look in chapter 2, verse 12. Because he which hath begun a good work in you will perform. In verse 12 he says, Wherefore, my beloved, so we're talking to believers, not talking about how to be saved. He says, As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, because he's not with them right now. He, he happens to be in a jail. He says, but now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I believe the fear and trembling is that you're afraid you're going to miss the will of God. Or that the salvation that God has put in won't get worked out. See, we're not talking about working for salvation. We're talking about working out what God has put in. You see, God has saved me, give me eternal life. And he says in Timothy, talk talking about, lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold upon this great truth, the reason for living, the purpose of life. Lay hold upon this. Get a good grip on it. And you have something to hold on to, something to live for. And it says, and this will permeate your life until serving the Lord is not that hard. It's hard when you're not used to walking with the Lord. But after you learn how to walk and you stagger a little bit, and you, it's walking to you right now physically. See, walking's not that hard. But when you first started, it was a little difficult. You know, when you was just a little tight, you know, and you crawling on the floor and then trying to get up and take your first steps. And you ah, look out Friday. oh, he can walk. He took his first step. And everybody's all excited. Look how many you've taken since then, and nobody says anything about it. But now, when it becomes, as a believer, it's, it's the same principle. It's always difficult when you're learning something, but after a while, don't you think a mature Christian ought to know how to walk with the Lord? By now, you should know how to pray. You should know how to read. You should know how to cast your cares upon the Lord. That's, that, that's the quality, you see, of a mature Christian. But wouldn't it be a shame? Here you are. You've been saved 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you worry yourself to sleep every night. Wait a minute. Something's wrong. Or you say, well, I read the Bible. I don't get nothing out of it. Well you should by now. I mean you do you pray? See there's things that ought to accompany your salvation. That's found in the book of Hebrews in chapter 6. In chapter 5 he talks about your dull of hearing for the time you ought to be teachers but you have need that someone teach you again which be the first principles of the articles of God. But look what he says. He says in the Verse 13, for it is, and you ought to underline this, for it is God which worketh, and you ought to underline these two words, in you, God's working in you. Do you believe He's working in you? You see, He began the work, and He wants to continue the work. See, it's one thing to be born, it's another thing to be mother. I mean, it's one thing for a woman to have a baby, but now, is she done? No, the baby's got to be raised. There's a lot of responsibility. And God says, uh, I'm not through raising you yet. I'm not through with you yet. Giving you salvation is just the beginning. That gives you salvation. You're born into the family. But now, God wants you to be raised. And so He uses the things of the world to help raise you. Now, they're not to make you strong. He's to make you strong so that you don't lean or trust in the things of the world and put your hope in the things of the world. Don't put your confidence and trust in money. Don't even put it in your health. Those are all things you can lose at any given time. Just like that. And one day you go to bed as a 17-year-old and you wake up and you're 68 years old. You say, well, what happened? But just like that, it's all over with. I was someplace the other day. (laughs) I forgot where I was. And I, I was sitting there and we were sitting in somebody's rocking chair. Where was we at, honey? We were sitting in a rocking chair. You told me to sit in that rocking chair. I got in a rocking chair and I couldn't get it going. You know, that that's a sign of old age when you sit in that rocking chair. can't get it going. Have you ever said, you know, uh, you get ready to get up and you can't get out of the seat? You can't get... <laughs> James over laughing like crazy, he knows... You get in a rocking chair and you get back and then you try to get up and you can't, you can't get up. And then your arms aren't strong enough to push up. And so you have to move on the side of the chair and try to get up. Isn't that embarrassing? I hate seeing my wife do that. It's not funny. But he says in verse 13, it is God that worketh in you. Now get that, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You see, the things that God has come into your life is not for your pleasure. It's not to accomplish your will. It's to accomplish His. Didn't you as a Christian, somewhere along the line, did you ever say, Lord, I want you to use me? I want to be used by God. Never say, Lord, I want to be whatever you want me to be? Boy, whatever you want me, Lord. I want you to bless me and whatever. <laughs> God says, okay. And then when you see his hand moving for the light switch, you know he's going to turn it off. You start hollering, oh, Lord, no, 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 no. no!" Oh, he did it. And God cuts off the lights because he wants you to learn how to walk by faith. And so you begin to to sweat it out. That's why the next verse talks about do all things, do all things without what? Murming. Murmuring and disputing without arguing with God and complaining. That's what those words are talking about. Well, why would you murmur and complain? Because you don't see how God's going to use this or that. And if God really loves me, why did he allow this or that? Well, who wrote this? Old guy named Paul in prison. Does it sound like he's murmuring, complaining about anything? No. He says, rejoice in the Lord. What are you going through? You got any hardships you're going through right now? Things really look a little bleak, a little dark, and you don't see any good in it. You don't see how God can use this. You don't have to. God wants you to be faithful in the midst of the darkness, the misunderstanding. What you don't see, just be faithful to the Lord and keep keep smiling. I don't like the little smiley face all the time because sometimes I get mean. I was watching TV the other day, the channel, and here's old uh, Matt Dillon, Matt Dillon. He comes on there, and he says, I went to bed mean and I woke up meaner. Anybody ever seen that? I went to bed mean and woke up meaner. <laughs> Boy, I like that. <laughs> I shouldn't have liked that. I shouldn't have liked that, but I like that. You know, at least you got, you got an attitude. Some people don't even have an attitude. You know, they don't get upset about nothing. Or, you know, they don't show any emotions at all. Now, me, you, you can read me like a book. You can see right through me. Now, this, this doesn't sound too good, but when I'm, when I'm right and happy, you, you can know it. And when I'm not, you're going to know it. Because we all have, you know, we can turn it on and we can turn it off, but we also, it's, it's hard to walk around with a smiley face all the time. Because some things are just not worth smiling about there are times when we grieve. There's times when we cry. But um, I love this. But I want you to see this. Look, look in verse 15. You probably say, does he ever stay on one verse and go through it? Verse, uh, Yeah, I'm doing it, but I'm just here and there. But I'm, it's still in the same book, all right? So that's all that counts. He says, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. See, what causes you not to be blameless and harmless is them griping and grumbling, complaining about the sorry lot you've got to go through in life because nobody's doing you right and everybody's doing you wrong. And so you've got something to complain about. You have justification for complaining. And God says, uh, that's not what I wanted. And, and look at the last part because he talks about with the, with the word of life. Among this world, you shine as lights in the Lord. But look what he says. He says in verse uh, 15. He says, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And you ought to underline this. Among whom ye shine as plainers in the world. As murmurs in the world. You see, what God doing on the inside of you is because of what He wants people to see on the outside of you. And it's the things of life that reveals the pressures that everybody else goes through. And that's why God wants you to go through just like everybody else does. So that hey, there's a difference. There's a difference in how you handle There's a difference in your attitude. There's a glow on your face. There's a smile on your face. There's peace in your heart. There's joy, not because of what's going on, but because of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And with most Christians, there's, there's no joy. There's no peace. There's no happiness. And that's why the murmur and the complain. Well, how can you be the light that God wanted you to be? See that part? Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. See, when Christ was here, he said, I am the light of the world. They said, you are not. He says, I am too. They said, you are not. He says, I am too. He said, and when you put me on the cross, my father will tell you who I am. And so whenever they put him on the cross, God flipped the main switch of heaven and the world went dark. Told you. But when he left, he said, ye are the lights in the world. So in this world, ye are lights. Because we're the light that came from the light. And we're in the world, in a dark world to shine forth the light. Now look at the last, verse 16. He says, holding forth, get this, the word of life. How do you shine as light in the world by holding forth the word of life, eternal life? That goes back to the gospel again, because that is the gospel that gives light to the world. Remember in John chapter 1, John was sent to bear witness of the light. Now He was not that light, but He was sent to bear witness of the light. And this is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus Christ is the light, it, that all who believe on Him should be, have everlasting life. So anyway, He says, I have not run in vain, and I don't want to run or labor in vain. But now go back there to the first chapter of Philippians, and look there in verse seven. verse 7. It makes a statement, verse 7, even as it is meet or fit for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, in as both in my bonds and in the defense. And the word defense, you ought to underline that. See, Paul had an offense and he had a defense. That's the way you win. Now, let me show you something. You're here this morning. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to trust Him. I want you to understand it. Now, this hand represents you and me. The wallet represents all the bad things that we do. It's our sins. And the Bible says that God loves us, but He hates our sin. Because, see, our sins have to be paid. Since we committed the sin, we have a debt. We have to pay for it. Wages means I earned the right to pay for it. I did it. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. So everybody in this room has earned the right to go to hell, but not one person in this room has ever earned the right to go to heaven. But we've all earned the right To be eternally separated from God because we've all sinned and come short of the perfection of God. You see, heaven is perfect. There's no sin in heaven. And God is perfect, and heaven is perfect. And because of sin, see, we can't get in. So God says that you cannot save yourself. You can't get there by what you do. So all of our goodness, regardless of how good they may be, God says they're filthy rags. And that you'll never be good enough to go to heaven because that's a perfect place. And so that means you'd have to be perfect here in order to get there. And you don't know anybody like that. So God says you cannot save yourself. So it's not by going to church, it's not by giving money, it's not by promising to stop being bad and you're going to start being good, or I'm going to get baptized. See, is going to church a good thing? Yes. Being baptized? Yes. All those are good things, but they don't get you to heaven. There's a death payment that God only accepts. Now, this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh. Jesus Christ came into the world. Now, see, He's perfect. He has no sin, so He doesn't have to die. God can't die. So He came into the world, and God used Mary to prepare Him a body in which he would live in. And in that body, he would grow up and be tested. And everything you and I were tested in and failed. And he would obey perfectly all the righteous demands of God's law. And in those 33 and a half years that he lived, he never sinned, never broke a commandment, pleased the Lord in all things. There was no fault in him. He did not have to die because of anything that he's done. All of us, yes we do. We deserve to die. He did not deserve to die. So because of his love for us, he could become a substitute for us. He would take our sins. And he took all the sin of all the world upon himself and died on the cross. He was buried and came back from the dead. And God says, the only thing you and I can do is to believe. Because you can't be saved by your works. He said, but if you'll trust this payment He made. See, when I say, would you accept the payment He made? Christ was the payment. You're accepting Jesus Christ as your payment for your sin. And so by doing so, He gives to you as a free gift, E eternal life. And you get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. There's no tricks to it. There's no gimmick. Now, if I offered you my wallet and you accept you'd have a empty wallet. If I offered you this microphone and you accept you would have a microphone. Well, if Jesus Christ came in here and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it would last forever, and if it lasts forever, and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know that you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. I have known for 49 years, I'm a little bit older than that. 49 years I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Is it because I'm good? Of course. No. It's not because I'm good. It's because He's good. He loved me. He paid for my sin. Well, He did the same thing for you. The only thing I ever did to go to heaven was to trust Christ as my Savior. I believe He did it for me. And God said, if you'll believe it with all your heart, not trust in anything else, you don't trust you, you don't trust the church, you don't trust the preacher, I can't get you there. You don't trust your good deeds. You must trust Jesus Christ in Him alone. And He said He would give you as a free gift Everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, how long would it last forever? If it lasts forever, and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? You get to go to heaven whenever you die. Now that's a gift, that's free. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, and you believe that, it might be the same day. It might be a week later. might be a month later. might be a year later might be ten years later. You might decide, "I, I need to be baptized. Not to get to heaven, but because you're going there. And it's a step of obedience. Don't let the devil rob you of something that's wonderful and sweet and precious. Because it's an obedience that, you know, I did what my father wanted me to do. I'm his child. I am not ashamed. But anyway, I hope that that's a decision you have to make. But you need to make it. And remember, no decision is a decision. But I simply want all of God's children to be obedient to the Lord. And that's a good place to start. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed nice closed and no one looking around. Friend, I have tried my dead level best to explain this critical issue as best I can. It grieves me deeply when there's so many that trust in their infant baptism as though it has something to do with saving them and getting them to heaven. And no doubt there's a lot of people that say, well, I, I'm going to heaven because I was baptized. Nobody's going to heaven because you were baptized. Did you trust Christ as your Savior? Do you believe He died on that cross, that He paid for your sins? Will you trust Him and Him alone? is your only hope of going to heaven. Friend, in just a moment, I'm going to ask for a raise of hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. But I'd like to know if what I said made sense. I don't know no way to do it except just by asking you. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand to let me know if you will accept Jesus Christ this morning as your Savior. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you to change your life. I'm not asking you to be a religious hypocrite. I'm asking you to be honest and say something like this to the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. And I hear and understand and believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. That He was buried and came back again from the dead and I believe He did it for me. And I will accept Him right now as my only hope of going to heaven and preacher, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Is anyone all this morning say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone know Anyone all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never done so, would you trust Him? I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. It's over and done with when you make that decision. God knows who you are. Know that you're trusting Him. And one want it all before we close. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, talk to the Lord about being baptized. Not because you have to, but because you want to. It's a step of obedience. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We pray, Lord, your richest blessings upon each person here. And Father, I pray that they do understand that water baptism cannot save, doesn't even help. It is a picture of the most important thing in a person's life. It's a picture of the greatest thing that can ever happen to a man, and that's to be saved, to believe that you died, was buried, came back and back from the dead, and that you did it for that individual. Thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon each family here. In Christ's name we pray.
0: Amen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634 and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316
1: Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up.
0: Amazing grace amazes me.